the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, April the 22nd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on April 22nd, 2005, Zacharias Masawi, he pleaded guilty in a federal courtroom outside Washington, D.C. for conspiring with the September 11 hijackers to kill Americans. And kill Americans they did. He's serving a life sentence in prison as we speak. Today in 1864, Congress authorized the use of the phrase, In God We Trust, on U.S. coins. Today in 1889, the Oklahoma land rush began at noon. Thousands of homesteaders staked claims. Free land. Today in 1898, the first U.S. volunteer cavalry, also known as the Rough Riders, was created. Today in 1915, the first full-scale use of deadly chemicals in warfare took place as German forces unleashed chlorine gas against Allied troops at the start of the Second Battle of Ypres in Belgium during World War I. Thousands of soldiers died as a result of that. They didn't know how many, in fact, just thousands. Today in 1952, an atomic test in Nevada became the first nuclear explosion explosion shown on live television. It was a 31 kiloton bomb. It was dropped from a B-50 super fortress. Today in 1970, millions of Americans concerned about the environment observed the first Earth Day. I'll come back to that in a moment. Today in 1994, Richard Nixon, the 37th president of the United States. He died at a New York hospital four days after suffering a severe stroke. He was 81 years old. And five years ago today, leaders from 175 countries signed the Paris Agreement on Climate Change at the United Nations. April 22nd is officially Earth Day. That would be today. But this year, this year, to just to show how virtuous they are, the progressives, including the president of the United States, has uh, not just designated April 22nd as Earth Day, but this whole weekend. This is Earth Weekend, now not Earth Day. White House put out a statement a little while ago saying it's Earth Day. And president Biden is hosting a virtual climate summit with world leaders. The summit is seen as an opportunity for the president to personally endorse the nation's return to global climate initiatives after the Trump administration's withdrawal. Among other promises, President Biden plans to announce that the U.S. will cut its coal and petroleum emissions in half and finance climate efforts abroad. We'll, again, we'll talk about that tomorrow. But finance climate efforts abroad means a massive redistribution of wealth from America to every half-baked 
dictator-run country on this planet. I digress. But anyway, back to the statement of the president. Forty leaders are expected to attend today's event and over the weekend, including the Chinese president and the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. As I said, we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. Uh, We'll see what happens today. We'll talk about it tomorrow. That's what we do on this program. We look at what's happening in our world. That's why we originate live every morning at 9 a.m. Some of you hear us a little bit delayed, but we are live every day. And we do so at extra effort. I create effort for others, and I'm very sensitive to that and very appreciative to all of the guys behind the scenes that do what they do because we don't just put all these programs on a spool and send them out to the stations that are carrying this program that you're listening to now, and they just put them in their computer and run them. That is how programming generally goes on radio, particularly Christian radio, but it isn't that way with this program. So there is extra effort on the part of all of them, and I would say thank you to them, and perhaps I need to say it more, but I'm very acutely aware. And, of course, to all of you, who support this ministry, thank you so much. I cannot find the words to tell you how much I appreciate the way you stand with me as we do what we do every day, every week, every month. You make it possible. Without you, I wouldn't be here. So thank you. If you have not been or haven't supported this ministry, let me encourage you to consider it. Pray about it. We need you to join us. We need you to stand with us. Our message is a little bit different than most. In fact, I'm told a lot different than most that you hear on Christian radio or otherwise. But we're doing what I believe God has called us to do. And many of you agree, and you stand with us regularly. And if you're not one of those, please consider becoming one of them. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go to our website, Faith and Freedom, A-N-D, faithandfreedom.us. Be sure you get on our website because there's a growing number of Faith and Freedoms out there. There was not when we created the organization and used that name back in the early 2000, 2004, in fact, And I started writing a daily article. But um, a lot of people have liked it. And, of course, that's, I guess, a compliment. But we thought it was good as well. And they've come along. And it's all over the place now. So be sure you're on our website. The way you can tell is it'll say Faith and Freedom on there. And then it'll say Gary Randall Ministries right over. We have legally attached my name to it so people can know the difference. And so you can go to faithandfreedom.us. You can donate online. Many of you are doing that. But thank you so much. And thank you in advance to those of you who have not yet joined with us. Black Lives Matter is out in full force across the country. They're voicing their response to the former police officer Derek Chauvin's guilty verdict yesterday. Their message, although it's laced with obscenities, It kind of comes down to a promise. And I want to talk to you about that promise today. The promise is, quote, we are never going to be satisfied. Ever. Ironically, their message is echoed 
by Washington's governor, Inslee, Oregon's governor, Brown, President Biden, Vice President Harris, former President Obama, and many other so-called progressives. It's understood that we hold certain truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit, the pursuit of happiness. I understand that. I understand that the pursuit is a journey, not a destination. However, when these words are shouted in the context of burning buildings, looting businesses, and destroying other people's lives, it begs the question, what does a more perfect union really mean to those who are never going to be satisfied? Let's talk about that for a moment today. There's a relentless pursuit of those principled values that were laid out in the Declaration of Independence of the Constitution. But it's a pursuit to destroy and to cancel, not to embrace. But when that virtuous idea, that virtuous pursuit is upended to be a pursuit of something other than what our founding fathers never even imagined, it becomes a path of destruction, sometimes veiled as a virtuous pursuit. In Minneapolis yesterday, after the guilty verdict was announced, Black Lives Matter was promising they will continue to attack the system. These are their words. Continue to attack the system from every single expletive angle we can. They were shouting, I'm quoting, we need to be going way beyond voting at this point. Quote, we need to be coming out here every single day if that's what it takes. Another quote to a cheering crowd, Derek Chauvin's police department burned to the ground. We're never going to be satisfied, they shouted again and again and again, while breaking and burning and looting in acts of lawlessness. Washington's Governor Inslee, he said the yesterday, he said the verdict is, quote, one step on a long journey, we're just beginning. We're not just beginning that. The Civil War, the Civil Rights Act, other collective actions prove that, the mo that most people in America are not racist, but we are painted as that. Except the far left, so-called progressives, they're the only ones that are not evil and not racist. They are self-righteousness personified. If Jesus was walking the earth today, he would be calling out some of these people, just like he called out the Pharisees. Everybody is sinful and broken and racist and bigoted, except them. And they virtue signal every time they get a microphone. The left. They feel that everybody that is not one of them needs to be canceled and disposed of. Isley continued. He, and I'm, I'm not saying he's not a nice guy. I don't know him. I've never met him, in fact. And I've known a couple of the governors. But I don't know. I, I don't know him. And this is not a personal attack, except I'm simply pointing out how hypocritical this environment, this web that they weave, really is. 
He continued, he said, today is a day for all of us to recommit themselves to a more perfect union in their communities, in our nation. Let this be the beginning of progress rather than the end of one trial. As I said, and I mentioned on the commentary that I do on ACN uh, every day, the one-minute commentary, I mean, where have these people been? This isn't the first day of anything. Our relatives, I have relatives, my wife has relatives, who fought in the Civil War to emancipate slaves. And we're just two families, hers and mine. Millions of people can trace their roots back to people who fought in the Civil War because it was a righteous it was a righteous war in the sense that it was to emancipate people, black people, from slavery. We didn't believe in slavery. Our relatives didn't, and we don't. And I think most Americans hold those views. The ones that don't are highlighted in our own news to underscore how bad America really is, unless you are part of the progressive core. Oregon Governor Kate Brown, she said, today's verdict is one step towards the goal. Does she know what the goal is? Nobody ever really defines the goal. Well, the goal is to totally eliminate racism. But how do we know it can totally be erased when they say it is? Continuing... Kate Brown said, we will dismantle the structures of racism and inequality in this country just as they were built brick by brick. And I got to tell you, she and the others in that camp, they are dismantling the institutions of this country that they have deemed to be racist. Seattle City Council President Lorena Gonzalez, she thinks she's going to be Seattle's next mayor. She probably will be. I don't know. I mean, but anyway, she certainly wants to be. That's her dream. And um, she said yesterday, she said, we live in two different Americas. Seattle Council member Shama Sawant, she labeled the verdict as, quote, a rare measure of justice under capitalism. So when you begin to piece all these statements together, you begin to see what they really are talking about when they talk about progress. So what would a more perfect union look like to the progressives who now lead our government? As the progressive left is fond of saying, let's reimagine America. Have you heard that phrase? Of course you have. I have too. You hear it all the time. We have to reimagine the police. These people, I, I, I mean, I'm just... I grew up, you know, as you know, if you listen, on an orchard in central Oregon, I mean, central Washington. What do I know? Born and raised in Yakima. So what do I know? But man, these guys, they, I mean, they, they, they talk about a more, perp, do they think we're so stupid that we don't kind of see what they're doing? As they lead us into the dustbin of history? Reimagine. Now they're reimagining cities like Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and others as having uh, no police. But when they get in trouble, they 
call the police. And they get angry if they don't show up in, you know, 1.5 minutes or whatever. It's craziness, at least from the point of view of us ordinary people out here. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was thinking about talking about it on the radio today, which we're doing. I remembered a song that I think most of us would remember. It was the Beatles' John Lennon who really defined the progressive left and their model for all of us in his song, Imagine. We keep hearing about, we have to reimagine. We have to reimagine no police. We have to reimagine, you know, all this stuff. He captured that back in the 60s and 70s was some of that same conversation was taking place. And he wrote this song called Imagine. And it is the model. Tens of millions of people bought the album. They still do. They download it. Hundreds of millions have followed his siren call. These people grew up on that. They know this song. Let's take a look at the lyrics. Verse 1, it's got a, it's got a, just a, a tune that you can't hardly get out of your head. I mean, it's a masterful tune to this song. Imagine there's no heaven. You know, that's the way it goes. Anyway, the first verse says, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. That's verse 1. From the day John Dewey and other atheists began their march to reimagine our country as one nation no longer under God and teach that in our public education, we've witnessed the dismantling that Kate Brown was talking about, brick by brick, the dismantling of our culture. A fellow atheist, Madeline Murray O'Hare certainly did her part. Let me tell you a little bit about Madeline, which her son Bill shared with me personally. Madeline was a self-identified atheist. You know, Madeline Murray O'Hare, the atheist. Well, she was a self-identified atheist. Her dream, she said, was to advance atheism and the separation of church and state. In 1963, she founded American Atheists and served as its president until 1986. One of her sons, John Garth Murray, he took over the organization at the time. It was very profitable, making a lot of money. Kind of like Black Lives Matter is now. Millions. In fact, Black Lives Matter took in $90 million last year. Her son, John, took over and ran the organization. Madeline also published the first issues of the American Atheist magazine. Someone else is publishing it now, but she sort of gave birth to it. But she's best known for demanding that prayer be removed from public schools, separation of church and state. She sued, went all the way to the Supreme Court. From the time she won her Supreme Court case, public education began a measurable decline. The irony is that the separation of church and state movement is built on a lie. So was Madeleine Murray O'Hare's life. It too was built on a lie. Thomas Jefferson, in his letter, was assuring the Danbury Baptists that he and our founders had built a wall of separation, a wall of protection for churches, keeping the government out and the government from interfering in the church's business. That's what he was talking about. 
You can read their letter to him, their letter of concern. You can read his letter to them. None of this is in the Constitution, of course. But you can read the letter to him, his letter to them, and he's just saying, look, Danbury Baptist, don't worry about this. We have got the church covered because we have created this wall of separation. The government can't fiddle in your affairs. The church is not going to be influenced and manipulated by the government now or in the future until the progressives, so-called, came along and changed it all. They upended it. The truth has been inverted. Now it's used for the opposite of its intent, to interfere in the church's business. The most recent example is Governor Inslee's and Brown and others locking people out of their churches for the greater good during the pandemic. That's how it works. Madeline's other son, though, Bill, he did not follow his mother's path. In fact, he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and became a strong voice for religious freedom in the culture. And he presented a life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gave his testimony. I got to know him some years ago. He's personally told me about a lot of incidents in their life. Some of it's in a book, some not. But I was interviewing him once of several times on television, and he made this. He told this story publicly. And um, he said that his mother claimed to be an atheist. He said she was famous for being an atheist. She made a lot of money because she was an atheist and she was doing what she did. But she said, I grew up while she was doing that at home he said she wasn't a Christian for sure. But he said, we always celebrated Christmas. We had a Christmas tree. We had angels on it. He said, my mother even celebrated Easter. He said she didn't believe in Jesus Christ, but she just celebrated Easter. He said she wasn't an atheist. She knew there was a God. But atheism was very profitable for her. Her life was a lie. It ended in tragedy, as you may know. But she made a lot of money pushing the atheist, atheist separation of church and state prayer out of schools agenda, according to this son whom she used. Yeah, Bill was used for her lawsuit that ultimately re removed prayer from public schools. Is BLM really what it appears to be? Is so-called progressivism legit? Verse 2 of Lenin's song, Imagine, says, Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion, too. Imagine all the people living in peace. The siren call of Hillary's global village living in peace while raising one another's children is realized in that song, in that verse. George Soros' finest moment is reflected in Lenin's song. No religion, no borders. <laughs> that is George Soros' finest moment. Verse 3 says, Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. In addition to Bernie Sanders, Alexandria, Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, how many socialists do you think we have serving in our Congress? I don't know for sure, but a lot. All of whom were elected 
by we the people. In Lenin's refrain to his song, Imagine, he says, you may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. What is his dream? What is their dream? What is their goal? If they're never going to be satisfied, as BLM said yesterday, and Kate Brown and Governor Inslee and all these people are parroting and echoing the same message, this is the first day of our reconciliation of racism. No, it isn't. That's a lie. They know that. What was Lenin's dream? A godless global socialistic village where the church has been silenced and canceled, God is not welcome, he doesn't exist, and equity reigns. Not equality, but equity. We must keep in mind that there is a great difference between equality and equity in this. The left fiddles with words all the time, and they're always using and changing words to keep redefining because that's what progressives do. They're evolving. Truth is not fixed. It's relative. And it's evolving, and it's their truth. Whatever they say is truth, is truth, because they said it. That's their worldview. That's why there is a profound difference between a Christian worldview and a secular worldview. And that's why we talk about that all the time on this program. It just comes down to that. What do you believe? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'll tell you. And boy, this is a time to decide who we are. There's a verse in 1 Kings, chapter 18, verse 21. It says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They stood and looked. This is not a time to be silent. This is a time to speak up. This is not a time to look at the prophets and whomever, the Franklin Grahams, whoever is out there, and they're talking to the, to the culture. This is not a time to be silent. That's why we do our little bit here. We do the best we can every day. And again, thank you for your support that makes it possible. Because this is not a time to stand and look at truth and not do something about it. Our country is going to hell in a handbasket, and it's going there faster than it ever has in my lifetime and in your lifetime. And that's what we're facing today. People will never be satisfied that are burning and looting and destroying and dismantling, as Kate Brown says, brick by brick, the institutions of this, of this entire country, the most blessed, the most prosperous, the most free country in the history of the world, because they do not embrace the principles upon which this country was founded. And they will never be satisfied. Let me tell you what will satisfy a person, whether they are left or right, progressive or conservative. Clara Tear Williams wrote the, book, wrote the little hymn. You may remember it when we used to sing hymns in church. It's called Satisfied. All my life long I had panted for a drop from some cool spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Feeding on the husk around me till my strength was almost gone, Longed my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy, but the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. And the refrain to that song is, Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. 
Jesus satisfies my longings. Through his life, I now am saved. That's the truth. That's the message of the gospel that these people are seeking. But in the meantime, they're destroying a culture. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.